0: hello and welcome to stories from the cave this is a show about having caring for and relating to our wombs and our yonis i'm so happy you're here i'm your host anya a couple of things before we dive in about language. The English language is limited and it's imperfect in a lot of ways. so just want to clarify a few things. The first is that when I talk about female reproductive system, I want to acknowledge that that's imperfect and I know not everyone's going to use it to reproduce, and I honor that. The second thing is that there are many words to refer to different parts of the female reproductive system. Oh, there's vagina, vulva, yoni, pussy, womb, uterus, many more. Each of these words refers to anatomically different parts of the system, and they each carry their own energy and have their own meaning. But for the purposes of this show, we're just going to say that they're all valid and use them slightly interchangeably. I just told my guests to use whatever words feel right to them. The next thing I'm going to say is that the intention is for this show to be as inclusive as possible. We're going to talk about the emotional, the spiritual, the physical, as well as the energetic aspects of having a yoni, of having a womb. And different people are going to resonate with different parts of that. So this is a show that centers the experiences and the stories of yoni-bodied people. But anyone is welcome to listen. I asked my guests to use gender-inclusive language, and sometimes people forgot, and sometimes people say woman and then make a more sweeping statement, and I didn't always edit this out because sometimes I think what they go on to say is still really meaningful. So listener, if you are able to when this happens, if you want to just switch it in your mind to female-bodied people or yoni-bodied people, um, because this show is focused on the experiences of people with female bodies, and I recognize and honor that that doesn't always overlap with women. So this show is a collection of clips from Interviews. I interviewed a, a handful of people and they each got to select from about 10 questions and decide which ones they were most attracted to answering. Uh, they were told that nothing is too weird, too much, or not enough. So you're really going to hear a whole range of answers. And I ask you to try and listen with an open mind. You'll hear my voice sharing Thoughts and asking questions throughout, and then at the end, I'll share my own stories. There is an ebook that accompanies this show. This show is story based, and the ebook is going to be more informational and um, just go a little deeper and have a lot of resources. So, there's a link for that in the show notes. Additionally, There will be a fundraiser linked up in the show notes. All funds raised from this podcast will go to three organizations around the country working on menstrual justice and reproductive justice for Black as well as low-income female-bodied people in this country. You'll hear more about that and why that's important at the end. So to help you get in the space to listen, I'll be guiding a... Brief embodiment exercise. The first thing I will ask you to do is rest your hands on your low belly. If your hands are not free, you can just imagine. Begin to take some deep belly breaths. your hips, your pelvic bones, your sits bones, your seat. You can shift your weight back and forth a little bit gently. Feel your center. If it feels good to you, make a sound on your next exhale, filling the belly with breath, filling your womb space with breath. If you don't have a womb space or if it's your preference, Feel your navel, your birth scar. Orient to the fact that we all came from a womb. Feel this space, either the one you have or the one you came from. You can let yourself begin to visualize it maybe as a safe, dark cave deep in the earth. If another visual surfaces instead, or if something else feels more safe, you can go with that. You can continue sending breaths here. Go ahead and see if you would like to say anything to this space. Or maybe if this space wants to say anything to you. Are coming up, maybe not. Just keep breathing and sending love to this cave. Know that you can come back here as often as you wish. And when you are ready, that go. Now, if you want to, I invite you to visualize all of us in a big, very comfortable cave. Each of us connected to our seats, to our centers, Ready for story time. Ready to receive. So here we are. Let's dive in. The folks in today's episode will be reflecting on what practices they have to connect to and care for their wounds and their. Young. This includes how they care for their wombs in relationship to sex, as well as topics like contraception. At the end, we have a special treat planned, which is that you'll get to hear a little bit about the symptothermal method of contraception from a fertility awareness educator that I'm working with. Sarah so stick around for that so here are this week's guests
1: so my name is Renoir Yassin. I'm in Vancouver and I'm an anti-disciplinary artist and an embodiment teacher
2: hi my name is Izzy I am Sweden. um I am I she, her pronouns female identifying yeah
3: My name is Kennedy and I live right now in Central North Carolina um, in Uwari land, which is um, also called Lake Tillery. And um, yeah, I am a tarot card reader um, and I host an artist residency.
2: My name is Sarah Dwyer and I live in New Zealand. So right up the top of New Zealand in the warmest place you can be up here. Um, and I teach the Synthosemal Method. So a method of contradiction and conception and in essence, it's just about learning your unique cycle um, and, um, and using it however you want. To getting more in touch with your body. I'm Shelley Willette.
4: I recently graduated from college and am now pursuing an apprenticeship with an energy healing modality called Angelic Earth Resident. I'm based in Prescott, Arizona. And yeah, that's a start of who I am.
5: My name is Isabella DeVito Brown. I live in Boston. I'm a student and I'm Anya's lifelong best friend.
6: Hi, I'm Jenny. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm currently living in New Hampshire, kind of trying to figure out what my life holds after graduating college. So not quite sure where I'm at yet.
7: So hello, my name is Vicki, or Victoria, um, whichever you prefer, listener. and i am a human person and i am having an experience and it is the journey and the thrill of a lifetime to be here with you now (laughs) so thank you for having me
0: so now that all the guests have introduced themselves Without further ado, let's hear some stories from the cave. I do try to take care of her.
5: I do, I do actually really try. Um, like, I use coconut oil to keep her nice and hydrated. And I, like, you know, if I, 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 tri- I do shave my vagina sometimes, not all the way. Um, and when I do, like, I use good products. I don't, like, put shit into my vagina I use vagina to like talk about the whole thing I am when I say vagina I mean vulva as well I just want to clarify um so I don't put things inside my vagina um but I do you know wash her keep her clean take care of that girl I like to air her out at night Mm. as much as possible I don't like wearing underwear all that much I feel like it constricts everything um honestly one of my favorite things to do during the summer is to like make the water cold and then just like open my vagina to the water and have like the cold water just cool it down and I'm like you're just it's like such a different feeling it's like oh <gasps> uh, I can breathe again Fuck yes like I didn't realize how much like heat was coming from that and like it just yeah. like, cools your entire system and not in like a masturbatory way but just literally like you know, washing your face after a long day, like washing your coochie after a long day in this like heat, and especially in the humid heat that is Massachusetts, just a peak day. I always, 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 always pee on, as basically directly after sex, like within, within five minutes, if that, um, because I don't want to get a UTI, thank you very much, and also because, um, I have a long-time partner, and I have an IUD, so we have unprotected sex, and I like the cum to not be inside of my body for a <laughs> because, like, but yeah, I always pee after sex. That is, like, I don't know why, I don't remember learning this, because America's sex ed is really fucking terrible, and they really should have told us, remember to always pee after sex, right, uh, but I think I learned, I, like, was taught it somewhere by some woman, and now I just like it's a habit, and I think it's a really good habit. Um, and so I always go and pee after sex.
3: Yay! <laughs> um, so, um, all through my teenage years, I dealt with chronic um, BV or vaginosis, vaginitis, um, like kind of like a yeast infection, but bacterial. Um, And so, um, I had a lot of like medical trauma from like doctors straight up just prescribing me antibiotics every time I would come in with an infection. Um, And like taking antibiotics all the time is not good. (laughs) for your your body um, and like even during that time period when I was um, trusting Western medicine and the doctors to like help me um, as a teenager like and young adult like because with BV like you have some odor and it was embarrassing, you know, and like um, definitely affected my sex life, like my social life, like, um, I I should like finger quotes um, odor because like that's a whole other conversation. But um, yeah, so my body was like not into these antibiotics and like they're like big chalky white pills. I don't know if you've ever had to take them, but um, they started like making my mouth feel really weird and like like my infection would go away for like a week or two and I would get a yeast infection because the antibiotics killed everything, um, even my good bacteria. So then I would have to take um, something for the yeast. And then it's just was this huge cycle. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until like, I just got fed up. This doctor was like between my legs and was like, oh, um, you, you, you kind of have an odor. Um, do you want me to prescribe you antibiotics for this? And like, I was just like crying because I was so embarrassed. And like, I could not believe that like she said that to me. And I was like, is there anything else that I can do to like help my body with this problem? And she was like, no, there's nothing. And I was like, I'm over this. And I started looking up um, herbalism <laughs> and like natural remedies and like all of this stuff. And I found Asia Suler, who is a practitioner in North Carolina. And um, she was like a goddess. And <laughs> um, I straight up just stopped wearing underwear and pants. Like I only wear um, skirts and like flowy shit and like um, I have like such a sensitive ecosystem that like mm-hmm. it requires the elements of air like <laughs> so intensely and like within like a week like I had no symptoms of like BB and and I was like so shook. I was like, are you Aww. kidding me? <laughs> blew my mind and so like developing my relationship to the elements um with my vagina with my womb like with what I call my pussy um like has been the most important um like self-love self-care that I have done I was going to continue kind of talking about my like Self, like love journey with my like portal to my womb and like how magical I have begun to feel it is um which I didn't for so long because I, I had such a tumultuous relationship with it prior to like learning how to care for that part of me but the other thing that I wanted to say that was has been like so medicinal is steaming so this is also from, um, I had a, a partner, a girlfriend who um, set up my first steam for me. Um, sh- she was like super into it and I had um, never done one before. And um, it was like, not only like nourishing for my like physical, um like vagina and like pussy but like spiritually like cleansing like and it's like has to do with like engaging with the element of water like just how like engaging with the elements of air um with the flowiness or whatever it's like allowing steam um like with dried herbs um like basically making a big pot of tea for your pussy <laughs> like, just sitting down and, like, making a ritual out of it, Um, and I usually do it, like, just after my moon ends, Um, so my cervix is, like, closed up, so there's, like, no danger of introducing something that could hurt my, like, uterus and womb, Um, but also, like, steam can, like, like, get into those nooks and crannies to, like, nourish you and there's all these different herbs that you can use for different things and I like went down this rabbit hole like hardcore <laughs> it was like this is so dope like I um had one of my friends like helped me build a steam stool and like I started drying all my own stuff because like you want organic herbs and you know I, it's like one of the most magical things that um, I've engaged with as far as like self-care goes.
0: I asked Kennedy to share with us how she determines when in her cycle to steam.
3: So it's recommended, like you're not, you, sh- you shouldn't steam when you're bleeding um, because your cervix is opened a bit, I believe is like the reason and it's dangerous to, to like introduce anything so intimately to that area during that time. Um, so I know like some people like to do it like before their cycle. Um, and I know like a lot of people will do it before and after. Um, but for me, why I choose to do it after my moon is that, um, it feels to me like cleansing. Like if any blood were to have like gotten stuck anywhere, it helps like release it and like bring it down and. To me it feels like like I don't know, like honoring honoring my body that it, it, it is still like in a way of the blood time and like recognizing like you just released a lot and now I wanna give back to you, you know, wetness, like nurturing and it's like a thank you, I think, to my pussy.
0: You can look in the show notes as well as in the accompanying ebook for more resources and information on steaming.
3: So like, as far as like the elementals go and like connecting to um, the root and like this like really powerful place of magic um, is I just wanted to mention the other two elements which are fire and earth. And um, both of these practices, I also got from Asia Suler and to like um, rebuild your relationship with, or rebuild my relationship with um, my like pussy was to like give her um, love. Like every day for a month, I wrote like something I loved about my pussy like on like a calendar is like every day so like that's fire like self-love like compassion like um your energy like literally giving your energy to that part of your body and um it was so beautiful because at first I was like there's no way I'm gonna be able to come up with 30 things I love about that part of my body like no way and like I can go back and look at that list and it like makes me tear up because I'm like oh my gosh like wow, you know, just, like, like little shit, like, I love, like, the way you taste, or, like, I love, like, your opalescence, like, whoa, where'd that come from, you know, just little things, and and then, and then earth, which was, like, I'm, like, really into earthing right now, and specifically um, with, like, connecting my physical route to the ground. So like, I will lay down a tapestry if I feel like maybe there's ants or something. But um, then just like, connecting my body to the earth, um, and earthing that part of me, which is actually like very scientific. (laughs) Mm. Um, Because you know, we're like electrical beings um, who need to be grounded um, in order to like, function best. And it's the same thing with um Like like pussy health, that part of you also deserves to be grounded.
1: I uh I do like I could lie down or sit and place my hand on my womb space um, and try to listen, just visualize some of the things that happen throughout the day that I tend to try to ignore not think too much about or actually going to that place because the moment I I listened and I put my hand there I was just getting all those images there was chaos there Um, and then so sometimes I just do that with the intention to bring abundance to my life or to set uh, an intention for a new thing for Uh, project or or attracting clients Uh, and the other practice is definitely the more sexual masturbation related practice which is also a new thing about it's like an organic thing that happened to me I don't feel like I've learned it somehow but yeah with intention with this connecting to the raw energy inside and this just this, this primal power without uh yeah without visualizing anything necessarily and with it a lot of times come voices come sounds that need to come out and they can be very primal too uh and not just sexual the way like i sound if i'm having sex with someone they just sound a little closer to my voice when i was having contractions and um this fascinated me because when it happened i was yeah i was in contact with something almost bigger than me um So when I really want to attract abundance, I feel I need to find this space, a full body orgasm, and then uh, move that energy of the orgasm through maybe just my breathing or visualizing my body. Uh, Move it everywhere in the body, but expanding the chest with it as much as possible and going back with the breath to the womb area. Because sometimes an orgasm is in the head or just in the chest or just in the shoulders or in the back. But what I feel, when I feel that power, usually, and it's a full body orgasm, it's usually um, the whole cylinder is filled with air and expansion. So, and it just keeps going from womb to heart. I also do some kind of like, um more activated breathing while undulating my spine while sitting and while really connecting to this area um and yeah i also feel connected to the wildness inside
4: yeah i personally work with a jade yoni egg which is a a piece of jade that's been carved to be this, the size of a small egg, like smaller than like a normal chicken egg. Yeah, I use that to help me to connect with my womb and to uh, address any trauma and um, just holding patterns that are there through, yeah, doing exercises with it and meditation and sometimes sleeping with it in my yoni um while also holding an intention around that it's an ancient practice that um helps to uh, build like a positive energy within the womb space and part of that is that there's a lot of reflexology points inside of the vagina so having the yoni egg inside of you helps like activate those points that sometimes hold tension or are connected to other parts of the body like tension held in other places of the body that's root it is trauma that does have to do with the womb like for instance like how we stand like the posture that we hold ourselves in has a lot to do with like how we're feeling and how we're feeling of course has a lot to do with our womb health and our sense of connection within our womb and to our womb um and yeah yoni eggs are just excellent for helping to transmute that energy um and so having the yoni egg inside uh, one thing that can be done is like sitting in a cross-legged position and then just like putting your hands on your knees and then moving your hips and kind of undulating your belly in like a spiral motion because that helps create that like that energy spiral Um that moves the energy inside of you and helps unlock the the energetic flow from that like root and sacral chakra to go up the spinal cord and just kind of like invigorate your whole body and your whole life i will sometimes do dream work with the yoni egg so like i personally really enjoy sleeping with the yoni egg inside of me It feels like I always have like really interesting dreams that like are definitely feel like they're releasing something, you know, going to bed with the intention of doing dream work with the yoni egg, asking the yoni egg, talking to the yoni egg. Crystals do hold consciousness. And after I take out the yoni egg, it's always like very hot it's holding energy that was inside of you. Like it absorbs the energy. Um, And then, so what I do personally is I go outside into nature, whether that's my backyard or like a nearby meadow that I can just like know that it will be safe there and I bury it um and then like create a little altar there and um give those energies back to the earth back to the womb of the mother you know and ask for those to be transmuted and thank the egg and thank her and then when i come back to the yoni egg um it feels like totally fresh also like wash it with like natural soap and I burn cedar around it and then I put it on my altar and I have this like lotus flower bowl that has salt. That's where I always keep the egg.
0: There are many different ways to work with Yoni eggs and I loved hearing about all the ways that Shelly works with hers. For me personally, when I've worked with an egg, um, I use it as a tool to go into that space, that sacred space, and connect with it, um, and activate it, and explore it, and just kind of see what's there. I think it's a great idea to keep your egg on your altar or in a special protective pouch. Olivia from Earth Mama Medicine tells us that once you take your egg out, you can just wash it with the soap that you would use on your vagina and water. So that is another easy way to keep your egg clean between uses, especially if you're not using it specifically for the intention of cleansing work, then you might feel like that's all you need. Um... But I think what Shelly provided us is an example of how you can use it for those types of cleansing rituals and how you can use intention and the elements to create your own ritual. Look in the show notes and in the accompanying ebook for more resources on how to use a yoni egg. Shelly offers us a few more practices of the ways that she connects with and cares for her own space. And just, like,
4: holding that area, like, below the belly button and, like, above, like, the pelvic floor and just, like, breathing and really acknowledging the womb and, you know, speaking to it. I think working working with the inner hips is big for me as well. Like, the hip joints, I think they hold a lot of trauma, especially sexual trauma and, like, so for me just like any type of dancing that feels liberating to the hip joints just moving my hips um shaking releasing um yelling you know just fully fully like allowing the soul to come into the body through those practices um and then it's just like extra powerful if you do that and then also Set the intention that that those practices are like that. You're wanting to um, use those to connect with the womb and to listen to the womb, and um, you know, even if you don't feel like you have a connection with your womb, just stating that you want to, just saying womb, yoni, I want to know you. I want to connect with you. I want to be open to your wisdom I'm listening you know I can resonate with like the frustration of like not knowing how to connect or like that's been a part of my journey uh to get me where I'm at now <sighs>
7: yes this was like an extremely insanely vulnerable topic for me um and um It's something I feel kind of embarrassed about saying, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I recently realized that um, my vagina is absolutely not um, okay with having casual sex like ever. And I recently, I mean, I think I kind of always knew that about myself, but also went ahead and um, had casual sex, you know, many times, even though it really, I knew on some level that it was going against something in me. And um, a part of my body and like my, my vagina would rebel against me. And like the only times I've ever had yeast infections is after, like, the day after I've had sex. And so I've definitely gotten some clear signals from my body, but that's, um, my vagina is not down. (laughs) And yeah, but recently, like, very recently, I had an experience that it was, like, slamming the door shut forever, I think, which is really, like... Um, feels extreme and like oh, scary, kind of and intense and just like a commitment. Um, <clears throat> yeah, she was just like no, like no more, Vicky. If you uh, if you continue doing this, like <laughs> I'm just gonna scream louder and louder at you. So, um, and I I think I realized that it's it was like. Um, I think it was conditioning that t- was telling me that I was supposed to have, be okay with that, engaging in, in sex that way. And, um, cause I, I know that my body never wanted to, but I felt like I had to, or like there was maybe something wrong with me that I didn't, had no desire for that. So, yeah, um, Yeah, and this also feels like oversharing and very vulnerable, but um, feels okay to share also that um, it's kind of like, like I can't, like it's two sides of the same coin. Like I can't neglect my vagina, but I also can't like force it into um, like deeply intimate exchange of energy with another human being anymore because um unless unless all of me is okay with that um but like the other side of the coin is that i still need to have a relationship with my vagina and figure out what she needs and give that to her myself um Yeah, so I think the art of self-pleasuring is, like, essential for, you know, I think essential for bodies, maybe, but that's kind of, you know, to each their own, but such a, like, rich place to get to know yourself, and it feels like, like, I almost want to just be celibate and, like, not even go there ever, um really, in my being. I'm like, it's cool. I don't need that. I don't need to engage with sexual energy at all. But um, I also realized that that's also like cutting myself in half and that that is actually a seat of a lot of my power, being in my body and knowing what that means. Um, And so it feels like, I can't neglect that either. Um, so it's like, I don't know. I I also feel like this is a very budding relationship because it was like in the last, in the last six months for sure that I, um, came to terms with myself and kind of like gave myself that gift. Like, okay, baby, you don't need to have casual sex if you don't want to. And, um, yeah, that felt pretty big and... And now i'm also kind of like hearing the voice of my vagina and being like okay but i have needs also so time to explore that like a uh that like push your edge there where that feels kind of like it feels like a very vulnerable vulnerable place to meet myself so that's like exciting too and very like tender so yeah <laughs> So it's like both of those, like like those are the two sides of the coin that I feel like that's how I have to care for my vagina in relationship to sex. Like it's just for me right now. Yeah. And I think it's really important to talk about, Mm -hmm. um, but it does feel like for me anyway, I know it's not the same for everyone, but I have like layers of conditioning around that, which would make it. Seem like uh, something that shouldn't be talked about, kind of like squealy about it. But yeah, no, I think it's beautiful.
6: Uh, I think deep belly breathing is one way that I connect to my womb. It seem I don't always think about it connecting to my womb, but it definitely does. Uh, and a lot of the times when I'm in yoga and shavasana, I like to put my hands on my womb and on my heart. And I really like, yeah, like holding that space in my body of my womb or I'll like put a blanket over it kind of as like protection. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think I, I really like being aware intentionally of that space through breath or just putting my hand there. Um, or even just like my thoughts sometimes. I've done a couple woo meditations, uh, but I haven't ever really stuck with them. But they were really interesting, and I have heard a lot about how that can be really impactful and powerful for people. Um, I also I have a yoni egg that I kind of bought on a whim at a festival. I had never seen them before and was really intrigued and was like, well, I could get this for myself and just kind of see what happens. I've only used it like three or four times, but definitely interested in exploring more with it. And then I have this really cute little vibrator that helps me connect to my vagina. It is green and it looks like a leaf and that is half of why I love it. But also it just, it helps with clitoral stimulation. And I found that that is a really, just like having that little toy to play with is so fun. And it's such a good way to help me connect with my body. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. It was my graduation present to myself. I'm
0: actually, it's on my to-do list to get one.
6: <laughs> oh my God, do you want this
1: Yeah, I do.
6: (laughs) Cute, look at it.
1: Ooh, is it cute? It's just like a little.
0: It is cute. I like (laughs) its color and its shape. Ooh, it's so cute. And Ah. it's
6: waterproof.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I really
6: got
5: it. So you could use it in the bath if you had a bathtub. Yeah.
0: Whoa. Uh, Nice.
6: uh, Last night actually was. Yeah, uh, uh, the last night (laughs) actually was the first full moon in October. And I had a little uh, full moon festival or full moon, what's it called? Ceremony. And I had lots of candles lit and I was like dancing. And I Mm -hmm. was like, oh, I could use my vibrator right now. And I had a really interesting moment where I was like, is this like a bad, Like, should I not do this during this sacred space? And it was interesting because I, it was like that was like the small voice in my head, and the bigger voice in my head was like, no, like pleasure, sexual pleasure is spiritual. It is, it is part of what this is. And that was so cool to be in this space with myself where I could be like, I, am going to pleasure myself and I'm going to do it because it's a spiritual practice and it can connect me to the world and the goddess and the energies all around it was really cool that's
2: beautiful right I
6: I actually forgot that we were gonna do this today but I was like I should tell my therapist about this I feel like this is a breakthrough
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it sounds like it especially because you had the little like shamey kind of like voice come in yeah then like it was more like
6: it was weird I was like questioning I was like is this and then I was like no of course this is okay this is so cool
0: that's so awesome I know I feel like I can have like I feel like I have that too like the part of me that's like I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I have, like, two kinds of, like, sex, and, like, one is, like, less sacred, and one's, like, more sacred, but I also think that's, like, partially true, and it's partially, like, that shamey voice that's just, like, not, I don't know, like, it can all be sacred, and it can all be okay, and beautiful, and, like,
6: yeah. Well, I think, I don't know, I have recently been realizing that I, most of the times I've had sex like with, with a partner, I have felt obligated and not necessarily like obligated to have sex, but obligated to do different things. And like, I don't know if I've ever actually just felt fully comfortable in it, which is yeah really interesting to realize so that's what's next yeah (laughs) finding someone I can actually be fully comfortable with and be like hey so I do like sex but I don't want to have it with you right now right
0: yeah I'm on a break from sex um it's been like a month or something I mean it's been like since the fire I just like I don't know I'm feeling kind of like not that connected to my womb right now, which is like an interesting thing that I have to do this project. But it actually is like, I think good. Like I finally came to terms with that. Like I was feeling all this resistance. And then like I um got to a point where I was like, it's okay because like dis having like disconnect can be like part of the, you know, part of oh, the relationship. Yeah. And like there should be room for that in this podcast. And like in this totally, you know so I think it's like good actually and that like I don't know yeah but so I haven't been wanting to go with it there right now but I'm sure
6: I will I, again when I was dating Beep. I like penetration was painful for like a mm-hmm. year and it was painful what? like with another person entering but it was Mm -hmm. also painful with me on Mm -hmm. myself and that was Mm -hmm. really interesting and I think it's connected to a lot of other things Mm -hmm. um but I think a big piece was just like I was disconnected to my partner yeah and so I couldn't have good pleasure because our relationship wasn't healthy and I like knew that Mm -hmm. so it was like showing up in my body which is wild Yeah, I was in like an on and off three year relationship, and it was like the the last like year and a half year where we were like not actually dating but still hooking up. Um, and it was just painful. It was like it hurt and it was really weird. Um, and it was freaky. And I went to talk to my gynecologist, and she was like, "Nothing. Like you're fine." Basically, like, do you use lube? And I was like, "Yes." Um, (laughs) like that is not the problem. (laughs) Um, I like actually did have sex with someone else over the summer and that wasn't super painful. It was like a little bit, but not nearly as much, which was really interesting. Um, and basically since then I haven't had sex with anyone else. And so I don't know, but it's less painful with myself now. And I think a lot of why it was painful was just connected to being in an unhealthy relationship and my body being shut down to allowing someone in. My vagina was like, yeah, no, you're closed to this person. You're closed to anything in relation to them. Um, So that was like really interesting to see. And yeah, I don't know if it would be the same with someone now but I'm kind of in a space where I'm nervous to have sex in general because I want to have good sex and, like, feel fully comfortable and safe in all of the sexual acts I partake in in the future, which has not necessarily been the case. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about seeing a... Uh, what are they called? Mm, the people who
0: do vaginal massages. Mm. No. There's like a few different modalities. I'm, I'm very really- interested in this too. I want to receive this work and then like maybe potentially learn to give it one day. But oh, I would yeah. be so
2: comfortable
6: with you doing it.
0: <laughs> Aww, this is a huge compliment to me. I'm actually currently reading the book The Wild Feminine by Tammy Lynn Kent, which teaches you how to do... Um, massage and tervaginally on yourself and also is full of beautiful womb meditations Um, and she teaches a modality called holistic pelvic care which I dream of studying one day
6: I like first heard about it when I I took a psychology and sexuality class at Prescott College and It was basically a class around this book vagina have you read vagina
0: i have not but i've heard oh my god
6: it's so good good. but that book is the first time i heard about it and it was like in the book they were talking about how a lot of people like or maybe it was in the class in our discussion like a lot of people were really uncomfortable with it and i was like that actually felt so right and no part of me was uncomfortable, which was interesting. So I was like, okay, maybe that means something. Mm-hmm. Which was really cool. Yeah. And I think too, like I had some sexual trauma as a kid. And so like, that's when I, I told my gynecologist about that. And that's when she was like, oh, maybe you should go get um, like a vaginal massage. Because it can get stored in our bodies. So that's really interesting. Like a cool gynecologist. Right? Okay. I yeah. But yeah, it was really cool being like, yeah, it's probably connected to that, which was like a negative sexual interaction and then being in like a negative relationship with also like unhealthy sexual interactions. Yeah, my body was just like, no, yeah. stop. <laughs> I just like we stopped having like doing any internal things. I was just like, this is not fun. Um and then we'd, like, try it every once in a while, and it wasn't really ever good. Um, yeah, and then, like, I know that I don't like one-night stands. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna sleep with you and then say goodbye. I wish I could. That would be so cool. I feel like that would be very empowering, but that's just not me. And so, um, my partner at time kind of wanted to do that and I was like hey if you want to be sexual with me that's fine like we don't need to be we don't need to tell people more than that um but you need to spend the night like I need cuddles afterwards I need you to sleep with me um so like that I think that's kind of the compromise I came to in that not necessarily healthy moment of my life
0: so I do want to just step in and mention that it is coincidental um that you've heard a few people talk about making the choice to not have casual sex right now or um to only focus on self-pleasure right now and that it's not I'm not intentionally trying to present it as if Self pleasure is the only type of sex that um, can be a part of womb wellness or care practices around sex. I think that there can be beautiful, um, casual sex can be beautiful, and we can cultivate womb wellness through more casual sexual interactions as well. And it, it was just a coincidence that none of my guests chose to focus on this. So, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. And if we make future episodes, then maybe you will hear from some other folks who uh, talk about those types of experiences as well. So what you're going to hear next is about contraception and you're gonna hear three people's stories well four including myself about a little bit about contraception and that is certainly a part of womb wellness and taking care of ourselves in that way um, by selecting contraception methods that work for us so the first two people you're going to hear from have journeys with IUDs and then the special treat I mentioned at the end, um, you'll hear from my coach who teaches the symptothermal method of contraception, um, which is a type of fertility awareness tracking. So And I just wanna make it really clear that I don't think that one of these ways is better than the other. Um, I think it's going to be different for everybody. I am completely supportive of people being able to make their own individual choices around what type of contraception they want to use and for there to be um, availability and accessibility to different forms of contraception. Um, And also for information about all of these forms of contraception to be as accessible as possible. So I do think we have a a lack of information about some of the side effects of birth control, um, hormonal birth control being shared in doctor's offices. And I think that that is problematic. But um, I do not think that the use of hormonal contraceptives themselves are inherently problematic and they may be the best choice for some people. Um, so you'll just hear me sharing about my own experience with natural contraceptives and um, like the symptothermal method and why that feels good for me. But that's just for me and I don't expect everyone to do the same thing.
5: I, I got my period when I was 13 for the very first time and, um, I think, I think it was, like, literally, like, maybe two weeks later, I got it again, which was very weird. I was on a, oh, my God, it's so awful. I was on a ski trip, and I had to buy one of those, like, 50 cent, like, tampons that didn't even have, like, an applicator. Like, who the fuck invented that shit, first of all? Why? Like, what? Um, and, uh, yeah, that was a disaster. Um, but yeah, after that, that second time, I don't think I got my period again for about four months maybe. And then again, I got it and then I got it again the next month, but like the four weeks, like five weeks later, it was just, it was never, ever, ever regular ever in my, from the time that I was 13 when I got it to the time when I was 16, when I got an IUD for three years, it was completely unpredictable. And, um, I would say about three, I don't know, maybe like six months before I got my IUD, like we tried multiple birth control pills to try to get it regular because I I think it's worthwhile. I think it's good to bleed personally. I think it's like a release that our body intends for us. Um, and I didn't really want to, like I would I would have preferred that to work. I would have preferred to have a regular cycle. Um, I like I would have preferred that, um, but unfortunately, my body did not, like, we started on the lowest level, then we went to a higher one and a higher one, and my vagina, like, my body just didn't give a shit, like, really, she was just like, I'm gonna keep being weirdo over here, and so I ended up getting an IUD because it was just, it was so awful, and my periods fluxed between, like, horrible cramps and just gushing, like, literal Niagara Falls over here, right, to where like I couldn't go to class and I would get migraines and then there was other times where they it was like for two weeks I would be spat like spotting which was like super fucking annoying so now I have an IUD and I don't get my period and I I love it I really do um it's really nice to not have to worry about that it's really nice to not have to um like deal with the irregularity deal with the cramps any of that stuff um and the IUD, the first time I got it, it lasted for five years, the, the hormones. But the last, like, eight months, I would say, of that, the hormones started wearing down. And I got my period again. And I got it regularly. And I was like, oh, is this what people feel when they get their periods? Okay. Yes. Thank you. Like, okay, cool. Like, it comes every month at the same time. I watch sad movies, I drink wine, and I wear a pad and I don't go outside for a week. It's fucking perfect. Like, dope. And then, you know, I got a new IUD because I did not trust her to continue doing her thing. Also, like,
2: save sex. It's, uh, whatever. So the bleeding time in my menstrual cycle has been, like I said, this is where, like, the battle really comes in and the feeling of, like, the need to protect it. Because when I was a teenager, I tried, um, when I was first getting my periods, my periods were very heavy, and I was getting cramps, and, and what's funny is at the time, like, I thought my cramps were bad, and I had no idea, like, cramps can be horrendous, and, like, as a young teenager, I just didn't know, so I was having cramps thinking that those were bad, and, you know, I was also, not sexually active yet, but realizing that that could be on the horizon, so I started taking. Um, I went through my school and I got the birth control pill. Um, I grew up in Berkeley, so I went to Berkeley High, and Berkeley High has a health center in which kids can go and get birth control. So I got prescribed birth control, and it made me a crazy person. And it, I was only on it for two months. In the first month, I um, it made my periods more stable and lighter, and it, like, cleared up my skin, it, I felt, like, made me curvier, like, it just, I got that, like, good uh, birth control glow that you can sometimes get <laughs> when your system is insane, and then,
8: yeah, the following then, month, I, everything in my system just fell to chaos, I was having mood swings, and my period became regular. it became, like, really light, sometimes and then really heavy other times and i was getting it frequently like i want to say i was getting it about every two weeks um so and like my energy levels were all over the place like i wasn't sleeping at night but then i was exhausted during the day like it just that pill was not right for my body and it set everything into a frenzy so i had to get off the pill and then i wasn't on any birth control for a while um and that felt really dangerous. Like as a female, I just felt like for myself, I wanted more control over that. Especially like the boy that I was dating at the time was not the most considerate and respectful individual, and so I always felt like, hmm, as he, like I need to, I need to have this extra backup just for myself in case like things go awry because sometimes condoms break and you just never know. So, uh, then when I was about 18, 19, I went and got my first IUD and they gave me, uh, it was called Morena. So, but what I didn't know is that Morena is typically, I guess it's the IUD that they give female bodied people who have already given birth because your uterus has stretched, um, And so I did not know that. And I am a 4'11 female and I've never given birth. So my body is pretty small. (laughs) And so I started to have, you know, for the first six months, my, you know, my doctor told me, okay, you might experience some like cramping, spotting, like things are going to be a little wacky while your body adjusts this. And then it'll regulate after six months. So the first six months were horrendous. And I was having cramps so bad, I couldn't go to work. And my I was bleeding still every two weeks, um, but this time I was bleeding hard. Like it wasn't like spotting, it was like a torrential downpour of my period every two weeks. So then I was also becoming anemic and like it was just a kind of, my system was really not okay. But like I said, I was in that six month buffer. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna hold on and it'll get better. And then a year went by and it still wasn't good. Um, And so then this is where I had to really fight for my uterus and my vagina because I had to go to the doctor. And I went to the doctor several different times and was like, there is something wrong. Like, I think this birth control might be mean. Like, I don't know what's going on, but like, there is something wrong. And they kept telling me, well, maybe you just shouldn't be on birth control. I'm like, well, that's freaking ridiculous for myself. Like I am a young woman. Like I want birth control. Like there's and there's so many options out there. Like there can't not be like a single one that works. So, so I'd really advocate for that. Um, and finally I got a doctor that suggested Skyla for me and Skyla is this pretty much the same exact thing as Marina. It's just smaller. It's meant for women who haven't given birth yet. Um, and so they, they gave that to me and I've had it for This is my second one. So I had that last one for about three to four years. I have this one now. I think I'm on like my second year with it and it's going great. For the first one, my system was trying to flush it out. That's why my periods were so aggressive and my um, cramps were so aggressive was because my system just like was not cluing in that like that was a good foreign body to have in my system. Mm -hmm. So my uterus was like, no, like get this out and was like trying to like actively push it out of my body which is a little terrifying it was the first time that i really noticed my uterus so we had a kind of rough start i would say <laughs> but we're getting into better rounds now
0: so everybody here is sarah my beautiful cycle tracking coach and friend from new zealand telling us about her care practices and also what is the symptom method yeah, beautiful. So that is that is my primary way to look after
2: my womb space is understanding it, to so listening to it. What is it trying to tell me? Um, again, it, I think from the womb space, it extends outwards into life as well. So understanding um, the menstrual cycle and how to work with it, um, again, goes outwards and how to work with the energies of life. I feel like that's reflected everywhere, and so yes, I, as you said, teach women and demonstrating people about their cycles, um, and how to understand what is going on in their particular cycle, Um, the hormones at play. I really look at the logistical things and check how the cycle if it's healthy. People are ovulating because ovulation is, is a fifth sign, a vital sign. It's the sign of health. And uh, what I have found is people can really step into their own health care, so really looking after their own health care. They can see it as like a report card. Um, and that empowers people to look after themselves. They can see what's going on and make changes and see if that helps. Um, and it's a, a beautifully slow process. And that's what I love about it is in this fast-paced world is the slowness and really thinking deeper in. Um, and I think there's a lot of power when, when you allow that slow process to take to unfold rather than rushing it. We, I think everyone that may be hearing this, it may resonate to you of the. Fast-paced world, it's all quick fixes, right? It's not really looking into the deep roots of things, and um, so that's what my work, I think, allows me to do with my own mutual cycle. And I just have an overpour of passion to share that with others that are also seeking it. So that is um, how I really look after my womb. At the moment, I'm not living uh, within my menstrual cycles. I'm in a very long cycle. And so what I have done to care for my womb space is instead of looking at my unique menstrual cycle, I now look at the moon and and I feel my cyclical being within that. So really being aware of in the full moon is coming up. I can feel it. <laughs> I don't even have to know I can feel it. And I our curtains are open so I can see you know I can feel that presence of the moon when then it's around. Um, and how else do I care for my womb? I think the biggest care I can give for my womb at the moment is the sharing of everyone else's you know that them connecting to themselves is is a very nourishing thing to do as a person with a wound. I think Mm. and it's in the sharing um, that is the most beautiful thing because you start to see you start to see reflections from yourself into someone else and there's less of a feeling of feeling lonely in it Um, the sharing is so powerful to express to express it is so powerful and I have been attending uh, a red tent where I live so mm. gathering a woman in a new moon
7: mm. and
2: that is just another powerful way that I look after my womb space and I guess when I talk about my womb space I'm not necessarily just talking about the physical womb I'm talking about the energy of the energy of the womb space which um has
0: so many gadgets. I asked Sarah to share with us just a bit more about the contraceptive method that she teaches and also what session work with her looks like. She is also going to create a write up summarizing some of these concepts for us um, that will be in the accompanying ebook. So we are really lucky to have that.
1: Oh, of course,
0: yes. So um, what I teach is the syncytosumal
2: method, which is uh, a method within an umbrella term of fertility awareness method. So when we're talking in contraception, um, fertility awareness is just understanding when you're fertile when you're not. And uh, the syncytosumal method is a double-check method uh, where you're observing your cervical muscles, your sensation, uh, your basal body temperature, and optionally, your cervix position, and using all of those, we put in guidelines, double check guideline at the start of your cycle, and at the end, um, highlighting your fertile time, and also highlighting your infertile time. So it's for contraceptive purposes, You would use the infertile time for unprotected sex. Um, and then you could either abstain or um, use a barrier method like condoms and diaphragm or withdraw whatever you have decided um, in in that fertile time depending on on what feels most comfortable for you but my main job is to share all the information that i have um and so that people can make their own decisions right because this is a method that there's some fertility awareness methods that don't have very high efficacies that aren't very effective this um, particular method is up to 99.6 percent effective which Is amazing and what's also so powerful in this is you can choose right so you can choose to have that high efficacy in how to do that Um, or you could choose to have educated risk taking if you wanted to it's really passing the power back to the person to choose Um, and knowing that it's a viable option which you may not hear about in the doctor's office. Um, so I think it's really powerful. And I'm starting to see it the momentum growing. People are more interested about what is going on with my body. I, we went to sex ed at school, but I don't know. I don't I I like every, every day. You know, I, um can't I ovulate twice, you know, there's so many myths around our fertility and um, my work on this earth is to dismantle that and allow allow people to understand the truth and pass that on to generations. Um, because we've come so far in, in our evolution that this is an option and it allows us to trust ourselves deeper and deeper and we can stop handing it over. To someone else um, and of course people can do that if they wish but there's a choice to, to hold that power for yourself <laughs> and um, that's a bit of the work I do so I guess on um, a more tangible note uh, how I work with, with people is online unless they live in close proximity to me um, and then I'll see them face to face and I do three consultations that'll teach someone who's never heard anything about this or had any connection um, to what is going on in their um, menstrual cycle, from that to being autonomous, and autonomous meaning they feel confident to understand, interpret, and um, apply the guidelines for themselves. Um, and I carry on support with them for a year. So um, if someone needs more support, they can contact me anytime, and we can work through that together. I can check charts. Um, give you all the support that you need so that sometimes learning, um, uh, especially when it's fertility awareness method, uh, it can take a bit of time to learn. And so my job is to help uh, ease out the road bumps of learning along the way um, and, and help you feel confident, have that one source you can go to, rather than going on Google, which is a whole bunch of different fertility awareness-based methods and trying to figure out what's going on, which can be really confusing um, for people. great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so um, my business is called How Living, and you can find me on social media on Instagram or Facebook as Fertile Living MZ. But also, you can email me, and that is the best way to get a hold of me. So that's sarahfertile living at gmail.com. Um, and then we can just take it from there if you're interested. And I share a little bit on, on social media, but I my, my main work is working one-on-one with people, so that's where I put a lot of my energy.
0: As I mentioned, I'm doing this type of work with Sarah now, and I'm finding it so cool just to dive in and learn about my body in this way, and it is just making the process so much smoother and... Easier and more simple to have her as a coach in that process. Um, and that's just been really fun and wonderful for me and a beautiful part of my self care in these past months. So I will put her contact info in the show notes. Um, and again, you can look out for more information on the symptothermal method in the ebook. And actually, just coincidentally, we happened to record this on the day that here in the United States, Amy Coney Barrett got um, confirmed for the Supreme Court nomination, and that's all really scary, obviously, um, what's happening with that and healthcare, care and specifically female reproductive health care but I do think that having these tools that we have full power over and um, can be fully sovereign with is a really beautiful thing it's not the right choice for everybody necessarily and of course I believe that we should have all the options available and accessible but I do think that in a way it's um, all the more reason just to have tools in your back pocket that you can utilize anywhere. Yeah, I just find it to be empowering to have care practices, um, contraceptive practices that aren't tied into the reproductive health care System As it stands in Western medicine, even though I fully support um, us having access to that system and to be able to make choices of when we want to interact with that system, but to be able to do it from an empowered place of also um, as yoni-bodied people having practices to help ourselves and each other, I, I just... I like that vision, and that is what I'm working towards and trying to cultivate. So, so a lot of the practices, which I will go into now, that I have to, to connect with and care for my own womb and my own knee are things that, that I can do at home. Um, and that's true for almost everyone you've heard from, which I think is really cool. So yeah, I feel like the ways that I connect to and care for my Yoni are kind of one in the same. I feel like when I when I connect to that space, it is a way of caring for it. And when I care for it, it connects me to it. So I do that through through meditations. Um which I guide a short meditation at the beginning of each episode. And that is kind of like what I do on my own. I know I talked a little bit about how I connect to my, to my womb in episode one. And yeah, just having a relationship of sometimes, not all the time, but when it feels right, going to that space. And seeing if there's images there or messages there. And having that communication and practicing that through meditations. There are some really wonderful guided meditations out there for doing this type of thing. Um, I mentioned in this episode that I'm reading the book Wild Feminine by Tammy Lynn Kent. And that book is full of um, beautiful Meditations of this sort. Um, as I think of a couple others, I will include them in the ebook. But meditation is definitely one of the practices that connects me to my womb. Um, I like to have an altar, and when it feels right, I personally the stone rose quartz helps me connect to my womb, so having having rose quartz on the altar as well as sometimes um, art with vaginas or, for me, art with uh, goddesses or the moon, that having an altar dedicated to that space helps me, and then I'll sit at the altar and do meditations. I'll sit at the altar and I... Um, I at one point had a yoni egg on that altar that I would work with sometimes and um it's also nice to steam at an altar like that yeah yoni steaming Uh, as our guest Kennedy mentioned earlier that's a practice I too really enjoy um getting to connect with I mean I love the element water and I love working with the herbs, so bringing that all together. And it's just such a um, just such a healing experience. I have some of my best womb meditations while I'm yoni steaming. and it just really feels nourishing for that space. Yeah, what else? Um, I'm just starting to experiment a little bit more with doing intervaginal massage on myself and working with those, um, working with just unwinding some of the tension in there, which I can feel just when I touch my belly or when I tune into that space, just starting to feel comfortable working with. That would touch, but I think that will be a much longer journey. And, and I actually said earlier in the episode that getting a vibrator was on my to-do list, and I have since done it, so connecting with my pleasure in that way and just exploring my my own sexuality in that way is also part of how I care for for my yoni at this time and then yeah cycle tracking um like I'm learning to do with Sarah as I talked about is another way that I'm just feel like I am I'm doing it I think that having it as a tool I can use for contraception is only like a side Benefit, a fringe benefit for me, Um, my main reason for doing it is because our cycle, as Sarah said, is our fifth vital sign and just we can learn so much about our health in general by looking at the health of our cycle and looking at patterns within our cycle. So personally, I'm doing it just to kind of like check in on my health in general um and I just find it as I said I find it empowering to have that as a tool that's that I know how to that I'm learning how to do and then <clears throat> to be able to have that part of my healthcare be in my own hands feels good um and I'll write down notes on my chart about my mood throughout my cycle so I'm just just really learning my own patterns in that way. And Sarah also teaches to uh, feel your cervix and feel the shifts in your cervix and just the daily practice of bringing attention um, not just while you're bleeding, but every day throughout the cycle, bringing attention to how your body feels and how your yoni feels How your cervix feels is fascinating and feels like a really cool way to be caring for my for my own reproductive system. So that's a little bit about where I'm at. I feel in a way like I'm a beginner at some of these practices. I'm I'm just beginning the tracking journey and I'm just beginning the the journey of practicing intervaginal massage here and there on myself. I'm just beginning the journey of um the herb school I'm in and studying botanical medicine for female reproductive health. So it's all really exciting to me and yeah, for me, my educational journey is, um, tied in with my womb care journey because that is what I love. So I'll keep sharing. Um, if you go and follow me on Instagram, my Instagram is F-A-E-A-N-A-Y-A. Um, I will give updates there throughout my journey in the years to come about how about my own womb wellness and as that turns into my goal is for that turn, turn into a, a more professional or clinical practice at some point so keep updated with that if you're interested and tune back in next week to hear about practices for the bleeding time as well as people's relationship to their blood and their bleeding time um, and that's another huge way that I care for for my womb is by caring for my cycle and for myself when I'm bleeding so I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I hope you make it back then. And I just want to give a lot of gratitude to you for listening and taking in these stories and also for all my guests for for sharing vulnerably once again and for sharing how they care for their wombs, how they connect to their wombs and what contraceptive practices they use, how they relate to pleasure, all of that good stuff. So share this podcast with a friend that you think would also feel inspired by it. Go follow me on Instagram for updates at Faea so F-A-E-A-N-A-Y-A. And look in the show notes for the accompanying ebook um, instructions on how to get your copy of that. Additionally, I will link up the GoFundMe, uh, which I will ask that if you are a white person listening to this podcast, um, then go ahead and make a donation to this fund of 5 to $15 per episode if you are able to, and here is why. The history of reproductive healthcare is full of horrors and is deeply intertwined with racism. Today, we still see racism play out in the governing of female bodies and in institutions that interact with reproductive health care. Menstruation and birth are not processes that are honored in this country, no matter your race or class, but this does not affect us all equally. The maternal mortality rate in the United States, where this podcast was recorded, is three and a half times higher in black birthing people than in white birthing people. According to the Black Women's Health Imperative, 50% of low-income bleeding people that were surveyed had to choose between food and menstrual products in this past year. This podcast is not specifically about all the disparities that exist within female reproductive health care. Many of the voices, including my own, are speaking from a place of great privilege. If you are a person who benefits from privilege in this country, you know having a womb can be complicated enough without the added layers of racism or lack of access. That is why I've created a GoFundMe associated with this podcast. The funds will be distributed equally to three organizations working across the country to provide menstrual products and reproductive health care services to black and low-income female-bodied folks across the country. If you are a person who benefits from white privilege or class privilege and you enjoyed listening and felt inspired by these stories, please make a donation to this fund, which will be linked up in the show notes. I would recommend donating 5 to $15 per episode. These donations will go to the Positive Period Project From the Black Women's Health Imperative, the Mobile Healing Unit Sista Van from the Black Women's Blueprint Organization, as well as the Black Women's Birthing Justice Organization. At the end of January 2021, the GoFundMe will be closed and the funds will be distributed to the organizations that I listed. If you are listening to this broadcast after that, I would still very much encourage you to give a donation to one or more of these beautiful initiatives. All right, everybody, take care. Thanks for being here, and I will see you next week.